It does my heart good to see a song titled 84 Sheepdog because I watched Dumb and Dumber over and over and over growing up. In this episode, Michael and I discuss our love for this song and the band As Cities Burn. And also, Michael calls my dad out on this episode. So stay tuned as we try to teach my dad a lesson. you think of when you hear 84 sheepdog michael let's start it that way because i think of hey do you want to hear the most annoying sound in the world that's what i think of when i think of an 84 sheepdog yeah i um yeah so i never heard i i didn't know until we decided to do this song and i started looking things up that that was a direct reference to dumb and dumber um i just assumed it was something like some sort of inside knowledge with the band or whatever that had some significance that I was never inclined to look up. I was like, oh, I'll probably find out sometime. And so it's the type of, is it the vehicle? Is that the name or like the description of the vehicle that they drive? Michael, do you know how annoying it is when people see movies and then they say, hey, have you ever seen this movie? Like, you know, Die Hard or something. It makes my skin crawl when people just like have this moment of, what? You've never seen this movie? But I am straight up disappointed <laughs> in you right now. I never feel this way about movies, but maybe this I've movie seen the movie multiple and times. Tommy Boy are mm-hmm. maybe the only two that I have those kind of moments with. Mm-hmm. And I am really disappointed in you right now. <laughs> no, it's okay. It comes at a good week because I've been extremely disappointed in myself. Oh, geez. So there's nothing, yeah, so there's nothing you can on. say oh, that's man. worse than what I've been telling myself. You um, know, I was so, I, I'm, I'm sorry, I was so taken aback by you not knowing the reference. You asked me a question and I was, I don't even remember what the question was. It's okay. I will tell you that my dad snuck us to that film when I was young. Oh, it's, it's an early memory of mine, but I remember my mother being upset. Because he lied and said he was going to take us to some different movie. (laughs) (laughs) And I remember him making a joke to me on the way there, like, it doesn't matter now, you know, because, but yeah, it's a great movie. I'm, I apologize for being an asshole. I think Brian Bartz and I, there were years of our lives where we probably quoted Dumb and Dumber and Tommy Boy more than we actually spoke with each other about anything else, man. Dude, I love that. Just long run. I wish my life was like that. I remember I remember having friendships in a life where you're just quoting things. <laughs> what has my life become? <laughs> <laughs> so let's, let's Yeah, uh, I, I yeah, I'm I, I'm sorry, man. I just I uh I love this band. I love this album, mm. I, I love multiple albums by As Cities Burn. As Cities Burn, <laughs> and what's funny to me is they're still one of those bands. I've listened to them a lot, mm. but I want to listen to them more mm. because I, I think when I think of bands that I like nerded out really hard on, Bazan's work, Manchester Orchestra, Me Without You, 
um, I, I, there are multiple, many bands that I've just gone deep into, and this band was kind of close. I was, I was maybe two thirds of the way there with this band, but like, it's funny because I, I love man, his, his lyrics, um, his lyrics are, they're, they really captivate me. They're, they're much in the vein of exactly kind of the stuff that really pulls hard at my emotions, you know? So I, I really don't know why I didn't go as hard with them as I would have bands like me without you and others. But when you wanted to do this song and, uh, it, it's probably been, boy, it's probably been a few years since I had listened to this song. So when you brought it up again and listening to it, I was like, oh man. And so I listened to the album a few times again. It'd been a while since I put mm-hmm. it in my, in my playlist, you know, and I just, I love it, dude. But ultimately, when we put together kind of a list of bands we were talking, we both kind of came to As Cities Burn, and you brought up 84 Sheepdog. Mm-hmm. So you should, uh, you should explain why this song. Well, one, because it's a badass song. <laughs> I, you introduced me to As Cities Burn in 2013, because when I moved back up to Wisconsin and got the job at Harley, like we would start talking about music early on, and I would just get references from you. I'm like, what are you listening to? And when you told me about As Cities Burn, um, their album Come Now Sleep. Oh that, man. That was the first thing I listened to. Oh, and, was it? Yeah. And I was like, oh my gosh. And the first song on that I think it's called Contact. Yeah. We consider uh, is that? No, oh. no. Contact is is a couple tracks in, but that's a okay. super good one. Yeah. I think the first track might be Come Now Sleep. Okay. Anyways, you'll have to fact check that. But so I listened to that and what a tremendous album. And uh, then I I got this album. And between those two albums, to this day, I'm pretty sure it's the most I've ever listened to albums. Like in a short period of time, 2013 and 2014, I played those albums so much. But I, you know, they've never gotten old. Yeah, they're just timeless. So I chose this song. I've I've had more like emotional and like reflective responses to other As Cities Burn songs. This one is just kind of I don't know. I feel like it's very like emblematic of who they are as a band in so many different ways. But what they accomplish in what three minutes in this mm-hmm. song, um, it's just almost like the near like perfect song for me. And you know, we'll, well, I'm excited to hear you break that down when you say a near perfect song. I actually. I'm kind of excited to hear what what that's like. I I would I would say I, I would say about just the band in general though. Before we get too much into the song, mm-hmm. um, they find an amazing way to um, not pigeonhole themselves within a a certain style. In my mind, I mean, some people would consider them like a like a screamo style band. That's maybe the closest in modern terms to what they would put somebody put these guys in. But you know, they have they have elements of um the band The Almost um who was the singer uh or I think he was the drummer in uh, Under Oath, but he yeah. sang too. So they have they have some sounds like that. They have some me without you a bit in them, some some musical elements of that. Then they can go straight up balls metal too. And so they they dabble I I've I, I always kind of felt like in the sea of those like newer tooth and nail and solid state bands that all were like 
this one sounds like that one, and that one sounds like that one, and they all had... The, these guys, although they're in that vein, they stuck out to me because they seem to... It, it, they, there's a bit of brand new in them as well. You yeah, know? yeah. there's this... And, and it's, I mean, their album, uh, I'll have to look up the name, but before Come Now Sleep was... I mean, it was mostly screaming with some clean vocals. Yeah. I mean, it was heavy. And actually, it's one of the few albums that Josh Scoggin produced. Oh, I didn't even know that, did he? Yep. Super cool. Interesting. He's, yeah, he's like... That was Son, I Loved You at Your Darkest, I think, wasn't it? Yeah. And yeah. if you look at that, and he he guess, he's a, um, guess, does guest vocals on one of the tracks, but, you know, to if for someone like that to take on a project with someone, and it'd be one of the few projects he did. But yeah, As Cities Burn, within, like, and I was thinking about it with this song, I was like, what am I hearing and I feel like there is this blend of blues, alternative rock, and like principles of metal all wrapped into this. Yeah. All wrapped into this. Um, they do have they do have different parts across songs where they have a little blues kind of riffage, man. Mm -hmm. And it's not it's not. Um, there's some good riff rock that kind of borderlines kind of blues stuff. But dude, in the song Contact which I, I don't, it is the first track on Come Now Sleep. Oh, it is, okay. I just had to settle that in my mind because I wanted to make sure, I'm so bad with song oh, you're names. Oh, to you're totally right now. Well, I'm so bad with song names that I'm thinking, am I just saying the wrong song title? Mm -hmm. But really what I should say is the first song on the album, Come Now Sleep, which is Contact, but that, that was one, they actually have some really great bluesy chords even in that, like mm -hmm. the, the actual chord they use. Mm -hmm. And so it's not like riff rock blues either, man. They, mm -hmm. they get this, they find this feeling across their music and uh, um, his 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 lyrics are challenging. Um, they challenge his his perception of God, and um, I think being on a Christian label and and having Christians within the band and being in that culture, his lyrics do not cater. They he, they challenge the Christian culture, and so it it was like that was one of the biggest things that stuck out to me because while I had heard um, "Son, I Loved You at My Darkest," um, "Come Now Sleep" was the first album that made me just like, okay, I'm gonna listen to these guys, and a lot of it was because the lyrical content was just um, I felt really honest. He really put it out there, man. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and this one, like I chose this song, like musically. I don't know. I, I'm, you know, I usually focus on lyrics a lot, but musically this song, there's so much that this song does musically that I can at least comprehend and pick apart in my mind. Yeah. And like, I'm excited to hear about that, man. Break well, it down, baby. We'll start at the beginning. Yes. <laughs> okay. So first, um, to consider the context. So they've already come out with these two albums, the one, much heavier one by Josh Scoggin and that was produced by Josh Scoggin and then come now sleep. If I'm not mistaken, um, there's two brothers and one of the brothers was the one that screamed, did the screaming vocals in that, that earlier album. Then on come now sleep, it was a different brother that did the vocals and you can tell like the switch in style and, and but that other brother came back and he does the screaming at the end of this song. Which is cool. Yeah. But to get the context, they've already put out some really good albums. They, they already have like a, a solid fan base in the sense of like, 
the bands that we like. They're not getting thousands and thousands of people, but they, they have enough of a following to where I think they're still on solid state or whatever. So they're coming out with this album and dude, the way they come into this, like they come in hot and then they cut out a lot of, I, I don't know, musically you can explain, but they're building, they're building and then they transition. Like it's this sweet, like guitar solo that somehow transitions into this really like menacing bass line and then they cut out a lot of things so it's just like the bass and then the vocals yeah and dude when he starts singing that first line it's like perfect musically the song is incredibly interesting they they the panning how uh, like the audio spectrum they fill it in incredibly unique ways. And I think that's definitely a lot of the charm of this song to me. And uh, so you're, you're right. When, like, it keeps you super interested going throughout. And I, I think, and what I'm really excited to talk about in this song is um, the first verse of this song is maybe my favorite first verse of any song. <laughs> um, and uh, uh, what I mean by that is all the elements, how they add them, what they're doing, the feel of it, it just makes me bang my head, man. Mm-hmm. And so what excites me the most about this song is what happens within that. And, and so w- w- starting from the beginning, like you said, it, it, for, for my breakdown, I want to point out, too, that the structure of this song is really interesting. It is not your typical song structure at all. And uh, what's funny is, is lyrically, it, um, while, it's, while the lyrics are, um, they're not simple from a topic standpoint. I'm excited to break those down as well. I think they, there's a lot of depth in the lyrics, but um, the, there's not a lot of lyrics within the song. And the main, the main line, they fixed your brain when you were young, the way that he sings it, that line, it gets you by the end of the song, you know when it's going to come in and you can sing along. The first time you hear this song, you can sing along at the end with a chorus because you know when it's coming in, it's catchy, and they do it really well. And what's funny is, is you get that sensation, but they don't do this typical verse-chorus, verse-chorus in like an anthemic way. And so uh, I, thought, I thought that was really kind of cool how they made it super catchy and you can anticipate when it's coming, but the structure is so odd. So they have an intro, and then right after the intro, they go into kind of a break even. It's like a, it's like a second intro, completely different part, but it's not in the verse. And that first verse, I'll get uh, pretty nerdy on the first verse um, as we go throughout this. Then they go into a bit of a pre-chorus, which they only ever do once in the song. They do a soft version of a chorus after that, which is cool. When they break down that soft chorus and they have the the like the ooze or O vocals. Mm-hmm. It's Everything. beautiful, man. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. But they, they like, um, that ooh, O thing is kind of a post-chorus, and then they have like a second break. The second verse isn't even anything like the first verse. It's still a verse, but it's, it's, it's just like a totally different part. Not mm-hmm. the same chord progression, not the same kind of structure, not the same kind of vocal pattern. It's totally different. And then, uh, um, then they go into a chorus, and then kind of a, kind of the bridge of the song is him singing the chorus line over a different part and then the song ends. So it's, it's more, it more of kind of progresses as a, a storytelling in a, in a way, um, but they keep the refrain solid. And mm-hmm. so um, it, it's, a, it's an incredibly um, 
catchy song that is far from your typical structure, and that really impresses me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I, I should have stipulated, when I said the first line, I was thinking, I, I forgot they did the whole um, kind of chorus before, but when, when it comes to, and if the good lords, good sheep do their jobs, the way he comes in and sings that, and when the bass line just kind of oh, is like taking over, yeah. like in the way he extends good lord, and like, it's just so soulful and groovy it, it is, dude. and rock. And um, so, yeah, I mean. Like, it, it, in a way, it, it's funny you say that. Like, I could totally hear like Gary Clark Jr. Yeah. singing that in a very soulful way with kind of a blues riff and it would just fit perfectly. Man. Dude, and that's, I mean, people are waiting like, how are we going to open up this album? And they've already yeah. brought it. when they, <laughs> they, they fixed your brain when you were young and they're already rocking that. Yep. And they come out the gate hot and then they slow it down. But the bass actually, I think, picks up. Maybe it's playing the same line, but I'm not sure. But the bass comes in and then he sings that line and mm -hmm. it's just like, Okay. Dude, are you ready to get into those lyrics now? Let's do it. So, I want to hear I want to hear you talk about these lyrics first. So, to open it, my interpretation is rather simple on what caught my attention for the song. Mm -hmm. But it was where I was at, you know, mentally at the time. It was more of a celebratory way to acknowledge like past mental damage you know what i mean um they fixed your brain they fixed it before you knew the difference so anytime i, I honestly usually don't like it when a narrator uses like they or you vaguely you know what i mean i don't think it's as effective as using like they're referencing the man <laughs> right right it's just it's, who are they right right it's it can be very ambiguous it's incredibly overdone um you obviously know like as a writer i prefer like Imagery, like we've talked about, using the objective correlative so many times. Instead of saying they fixed your brain when you were young, you know, maybe provide us with like an image or something that that you know captures that. But in this situation, I'm all about it. I don't know why, <laughs> but it, it is just like, and and it can come off as like juvenile, and maybe it is whatever. But when I first heard it, coming from the background that I have, like with my father, the way I was raised. You know, I developed some very unhealthy mental habits. And there were a lot of principles, you know, and I love my father, very grateful for him. I have a much different outlook now than I would have had 10 years ago. You know, rarely do we talk, don't have the greatest relationship. There's plenty um, principles of his that I, you know, openly disagree with to this day. But um, the fact of the matter is, is there was a lot of things that I was like raised on that, you know, I just assumed that was truth, that's what things are, and that's how you operate. And it wasn't until much later in life that I recognized that a lot of those things were either like killing me or like really just having devastating impacts, you know? Mm -hmm. And so it's like, oh, the way I've been thinking is not healthy, yeah. <laughs> you know? And so like this this song, just the 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 I, I think the music, the way they they just bring it with the music. It doesn't, I, I didn't process it in like a lamenting way. It was more like a very like encouraging, like spiteful way. You know what I yeah. mean? Like you might've like fixed my brain, but like it's on. <laughs> <laughs> like it's time to rewire, you know? And I don't know, man. It was like a, and then obviously there's a lot more spiritual language and stuff. But so that's what started me off. It was very, a very simple thought. Well, I, I, uh, 
I really enjoy when people very vaguely use the term you or they. I love it, man. So, and why I, why I do is um, it's a bit of what I love about the punk mindset. And we've talked about that before. But as a narrator, if you put in you or they, it leaves it open to interpretation to whatever the listener's struggling with. So somebody might, it, depending on the lyrics, not necessarily specific to this song, but you know, when somebody's saying you or they, somebody might take it as their boss at work. Somebody might take it as a father figure. Somebody might take it as as you know a pastor or a preacher that they're you know up against now. Somebody might take it against government or big corporations or whatever. And leaving that the man open to whoever it is is uh, um, I found myself doing that quite a bit in some of my, especially in like the shaggy stuff, because we didn't take ourselves very seriously. That was part of the intent of the song. And in a way, you know, the, the kind of punk and metal songs that go against the man, there is a little bit of that. You know it's typical, but you also know that the feeling that you're feeling right now is that feeling, like taking on the man. That's kind of what you, so you're not going to sing about, you know, daisies and clouds. You're going to sing about taking on the man because the, 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 the music's bringing you there. It's taking you that place. And so I particularly love this, and it would be of no surprise to anybody how I interpret this song. But um, I got I to gotta pause you real quick yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and share something that I just thought of that you've said before, and it gave me the giggles. Okay, perfect. <laughs> Dude, one of, the, one of these episodes that we did weeks ago, I, I, I don't remember what it was, but I was listening to it, and we were talking about punk music, and it was something you said that I didn't, I didn't remember you like said it, and like... It's like when you're like proud of your friend, you, you said something along the lines of, dude, there's just something about punk music that I just love. Like this attitude, like, dude, get away from me. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I don't know. Now that's just kind of the way if someone asked me, like, how would you describe like punk music? You know, that's how I'm going to describe it from here on out. Yeah, it, it's kind it's like, of a dude. It's get away. This is like, dude, get just, just go. I'm here for me, not you, dude. Fat Mike on that song when we broke yeah. it down, dude. That's yeah. it. That's what it's about. And 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 actually, I mean, there are a couple of things that I I could. Sorry for derailing you. No, yeah, no, I hope you no. Can get back to it. This is uh, yeah. Sorry, man, but that it is that the spirit behind punk music is is a bit of how I live my life every day. And so, like, it, it, let me like in an example with how seriously you know, we take trying to put together this podcast and prepare for it. When I write music, when I, when I write lyrics, when I, when I record music, I try to do it to the best of my ability. And if you take on the mindset, which I could of just like, you know what, there's not going to be a lot of people that hear this less than 50 people will hear this. So why don't I just get the idea down, put it out. It doesn't have to be great. Well, I'm, that's not why I'm doing it. I'm, I, that's not why I'm doing it. And the punk mindset challenges, you know, is, 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 is this band because they're up on the stage writing songs to try to attract more people, how that's feeding their soul when you chase as a musician to try to display your talents up on a stage? Well, which punk, punk music challenges this whole idea? It's like, dude, pick up the guitar and do it for yourself. That's, that's what it does. I, I, I just connect so much with punk music. And I, I like punk the, I like punk the more raw that it is. Mm -hmm. And, and, and the more they put, they wear their, the, their heart on their sleeve. But 
Anyway, dude, I'm derailing a little bit, but this this song brings out a bit of that punk mindset. Oh, for sure. It wouldn't be classified as punk music, but but damn, it's it's in that arena. Oh, dude, yeah. And so, um, but I again, I I don't think it would be a a big surprise of what the lyrics would mean uh, for, for me on this. I th I think you know when you grow up in a in a in a in organized religion, and you're young and 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 you, you know, you got Bible school and um, you learn all, learn all the, the biblical teachings. What they're doing is when, when nothing good can come from you and it has to come from God, they're fixing you. They fix your brain when you're young. And uh, that way, you, it, it's like bef before you even know the difference. Like they just, they teach you this is the way to go. And I, I it, look, it sounds like when you vocalize it like this, that I'm talking about brainwashing. And I get it, and I'm not classifying it as that. Brainwashing is a term some people would use that didn't go through that system, most likely, because it's not that simple. It's not, it, like, there can be some cultish activity that is very brainwashing. The difference with Christianity, while some people, I think, that maybe didn't go through it the way that I did would call it brainwashing, the difference is, is the people that are there truly they're not preying on your. They're not preying on you. There, there are um, like P R E Y that they're not. Do, they're not doing that. Like some of them, they, they genuinely just want to see you succeed and do well and know God in the way that they know God. And so they try to. They try to protect you, and a lot of it's innocent in trying to protect you. When cultish activity is more of somebody preying on you, that's a leader at the top knows what they're doing. And you know what I'm saying? There's mm. there's a, there's a there's an underlying definite evil behind that, and there's not that in many cases within religion, whether it's Christianity or Buddhism or whatever. It's there's this sense of belief and this sense of knowing God that's truly behind it. So I don't mean to paint it as brainwashing, but when he's saying they fix your brain when you're young, and it said, dude, how brilliant! My favorite lyrics in this song are. The, the lyrics on the first verse. And I'm, I'm telling, I'm not, I'm not kidding when I say the first verse of this song might be my favorite first verse of any song. But when he says, and if the good Lord's good sheep do their jobs, you would never see they were wolves underneath. But good Lord, have you ever seen so many teeth marks? I mean, how fucking good is that? So if, if we're, if we're living the way that we should going about life, this kind of, it, with, within, a, within, um, I have to speak about Christianity because it's, it's what I know. I, I, I wasn't in, I, I, I didn't get deep into any other religion. And so this could parallel with any of those others, but I can only speak about Christianity. But, um, there is that. I mean, if they fix your brain when you're young, I mean, you, you, you gotta, you gotta have this front that you put up a bit about, Look, we got to go out and be the light of the world. We can't let everybody know we're really depressed and questioning God and have these doubts. All we need is, is faith like a mustard seed, and it'll grow, and, and God will do all these great things for you. You can't, you can't show that there's that struggle. You can't be open about that um, in many, it's like truly, truly open about that in many cases. You have to have faith, and as long as you have faith, it'll be all right. And so when, when they say you'd never see the wolves, so how he says, and if the good Lord, but then he actually says, but good Lord <laughs> in a different way. It's so good, dude. dude. I love that those are so close. And, and uh, I, 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 I'm certain he was smirking when that line, when that, when pen went to paper on that. 
And uh, when he says, have you ever seen so many teeth marks? And I, I think that um, for, for those that have to put on a facade and, and whether it's within a, with, whether it's within a religious system or not, I mean, people, th this could be interpreted in a different way, not just within religion. I mean, it could be, it could be even in some form of business that somebody's in. They could be doing something that maybe they don't really agree with, and they're actually compromising some of their values at work, but they're doing it for the paycheck. And, but they have to keep on the face. They have to keep up the front. And they can't show, you know, they can't be what they really are underneath. But, but I do think when he says, have you ever seen so many teeth marks, I think it's a bit of a reference to the, the, the community of people that are within that religion or within that group, because they're the ones... That are, that are trying to almost keep up the facade to each other. That's really ultimately what it is. I, I distinctly remember going to church really sad at times and questioning a couple things and not feeling like I could actually bring it up to anybody because so many people looked up to me because I was up on stage three times a week playing music. I was leading the music at times. I was mentoring a lot of these people. And I felt like I was that was... Uh, I couldn't do that. I, I had to be the strength because people that didn't have as much strength needed me to help be their strength. And so I took that on and I had to, I had to really let that crap go, you mm -hmm. know? And I, I think that's a little bit of, that translated a little bit in my management skills. Now I never want somebody to feel like I'm going to have all the answers. I have to let them know that they can come up with answers Mm -hmm. And that we can do this together, and they're just as integral to the team as I am, because I—it's I, a shame that I was so young when so many people looked up to me, and I didn't know how to deal with that. I—I mm -hmm. I, I just didn't, and I, I, in a way, wish I could have one-on-ones with a lot of different people that were there that I could—I could, I could uh, apologize almost with um, a bit of the facade that I had put on, mm -hmm. even back when I was 17 and 18 years old. Cause I mean, I left the organized religion when I was 18 and I still met with certain people after that for probably three, four years for a while. And I know I put on a facade as well, mm -hmm. but, um, anyway, it was, it was, it wasn't like, um, when I say that though, it wasn't, uh, evil by any means. I felt like I was doing the right thing. I felt like I was being their strength for them, that I could be the shoulder for them. And so I had to hold it together. It wasn't like, uh, you know, I wasn't lying in any way. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Sorry to go off on a, on a bit of a tangent, but my God, does he actually put into words such an amazing, I mean, I, I, I just, the concept of it is just beautiful, man. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Incredibly poetic. I'm, I, I like that you notice that. And yeah, just like you said, I mean, it's, it can, it can be a, even apart from a religious setting, it's a, it's a psychological, you're dealing with a psychological concept of being, you know, disillusioned. And, um, and that is like, that is, uh, it sounds very simple and it is simple and it's something that mm -hmm. happens all the time. Like, uh, it's kind of messed up that after a high school education, well, I wasn't a great participant in the latter half, but still, <laughs> um, how like still like how whitewashed our, you know, uh, U S history classes are in, in, you know, elementary, middle and high school. And thankfully that's, you know, educational reform. Unfortunately, so many tragic things, you know, had to happen simultaneously last year after, you know, these things have been happening for centuries. Right. But, you know, finally you start hearing more about 
uh, history reform, um, particularly last year. I think I think one of them was referred to as like the Lincoln Project, but they were really trying to get a um, different presentation of American history in elementary, middle, and high schools, you know. And, uh, you know, I, I guess my point is it's the, the classic, uh, you know, nature versus nurture debate, and I always think it's a bit of both. It's a bit of like um, there, there's instincts that we have, there's innate, you know, properties we have, but it's also um, deals a lot with, you know, what's around us and how we're influenced, you know. And so I think this song has a lot of element of how open-minded are you, you know. And it's hard to find people, you know, with like what you're talking about, whether it's in a religious setting, a work setting, a family setting. Man, how relieving is it when you're surrounded by people that you know you can just bring up anything around them? I mean, that's an awesome feeling, you yeah. know. And there's, I, in my experience, it's, more often than not that I feel opposite, you know, more often than not. And even people that I would consider relatively close in my life, you know, I have plenty of friends that I would consider relatively close. And I know that there's like these like little minefields, you know, socially, like, and that's how wolvish we can be. Like there's still things within me that I don't know, maybe someone might bring up and like, I would become a little unhinged, you know, like I, and and as an aspiring writer, like that's incredibly important to investigate the psyche of yourself and those around you. And the more you dig into emotional context, the more you realize um, how chaotic we are, like underneath our skin, you know. Hmm. But it's the acknowledgement of that, and it's how we deal with it that is just gorgeous, you know. That's what makes fellowship so beautiful. Is because it's difficult. <laughs> like, it's hard to get yourself to a point where you let someone in in such a you know vivacious way. You know, like, and so yeah, and like that's like the the uplifting nature. They just bring the music so hard. And and I'll um, say one thing about the guitars. One of my mentors recently said this to me, and I was just like. Dude, I've been running with it in the, the story I sent you. I, I went for it on that. My last short story I submitted, there's times when I just created, there's this concept in writing where you just got to trust the reader. And it's a very hard thing to do, especially for me when I know that my peers are going to be reading it and, and many of them aren't reading as critically as, you know, as, as I would hope for them. You know what I mean? Because it's just in class. But I know my professors are, you know. So there's times that you want to be kind of cryptic and embedded. And that, now that's the, that's the challenge of writing good literature is you need to make the reader, like, work for it. You can't just present everything. And, um, and so anyways, on one of my short stories, he, he, he wrote me some feedback. And at one point, he, he picked out a part and he basically was like, hey, I see what you're doing here, but you need to, like, go deeper. And he's like, look, and if people don't get it, he said something along the lines of Faulkner once said that the measure of a great artist is one who's willing to risk a splendid failure. And I was like, dude, I love that. Yeah. And it goes in line to this punk attitude that you're talking about. And so the guitars, I don't know why, but I thought of that when the guitars towards the end are doing this weird, like off, like rambling, you know, like it's like that slow, I, I'm going to try and do it with my mouth. Do it. Down. <laughs> that, that was, was the worst. Amazing. That was the worst. Dude, and nobody has a great mouth guitar. Well, I maybe some people do that have done it a lot. It, but he's like no, I, bending, I he's yeah, like yeah, yeah. bending uh -huh. the notes and everything. It's completely off of the drum and bass. Yeah. It's co completely counter. 
and it's perfect. <laughs> and I don't know how the fuck this guy thought of it. You know what I mean? It takes yeah. it takes a it takes a mind of stepping outside and being like, you know, part of my language is just like, fuck it, man. Yeah. I'm going for it. Sure. And that's what they do in this entire song. Dude, there's parts in the drums where, okay, what would it be called? The exterior of the head, which is like the shell of the, the yeah. drum head. Drum, yeah. Um, hitting, the, hitting the drumsticks on that as opposed to the actual head itself. Dude, when he does that at, that at this certain time in this, I'm like... They call it a rim shot, and that's part of my nerd level of detail area. So. Dude, dude, there's a yeah. part where that, the rim shot oh, yeah. is like, that is what has to be in this song at that exact moment. It's just perfect. Yes. So anyways, they... Dude, they it does my heart good to hear you say something like that. Yeah. They are... They, in, in this song, it is so layered with brilliance that when he brings in these, these simple but yet just poignant and poetic lyrics... Yeah. It, it is... That is greatness. Mm-hmm. When you've already built it up, right? Yeah. And it's like, oh man, be careful. You know, it just like makes me picture like Jenga or something. Yeah. It's like, we're almost there, but one miscalculation, you could really screw this up. <laughs> like... If he put on that's some a, chunk cool lyrics, parallel. it would take down so much of this. Yeah. But man, he just, he puts a cherry on top with just that clever, those witty lyrics. Screw it. I don't, I don't know how to compliment you in the way that I want to compliment you. <laughs> <laughs> I've thought about this as I listened back to some of the podcasts and we've had some of these conversations. Like, I think it would be clear for anybody listening that you are more educated than I am and specifically like college education, not, I wouldn't say big words, but terms like you, you know how to put into words your thoughts better than I feel I, I do. I feel like I'm the guy that's like, Hey, let me talk about my feelings and, and like what I've learned as I've gone through life, no studying required. And then you talk and I listen and I'm like, yeah, that's, that's the smart guy. That has a lot of a lot of better better knowledge. To actually, learn stuff from real people that should teach you. But I just want to sit back here and talk about my feelings, Michael. <laughs> Dude. Okay, yeah. But, Anyone but, that knows you and has spent any time with you knows that we're on equal ground here. So, well, I, I uh, uh, but thank man, you. You you said something, and here comes my poor memory. You said something. Uh, hopefully, hopefully it will come to me. But I really felt like you um, the the rim shot concept. No, it was okay. well before that. It was one of the first things when you first started going. That's fine. I, I think. Uh, um, can we go to the second verse lyrics real Hell quick? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, because I I think that he's progressing through the song as anybody would. Um, he he doesn't he doesn't say really anything in this song other than they fixed your brain when you were young before you knew the difference and then the first verse and the second verse are they really the only difference in lyrics and we almost said all of the lyrics of the first verse the only other line and it's still quite awesome is that's right those containers of light come with a kiss but they got quite a bite that's a cool line i, I will mention it um, I think he's referencing mostly with that somebody that would actually stab your back when he's saying those containers of life light that is a wolf in sheep's clothing, you know, um, and that imagery of they come with a kiss that means they're coming to you with their lips with their mouth close to you 
and then it converts into a bite when they're right there, you know. I think it's kind of cool. But then he's then he actually I think he brings um he's almost talking about a bit of a different concept in the second verse, but he's he's relating both of them to where uh with this whole they fix your brain. I think one of the things they fix your brain with is um, you know, keep, keeping keeping your facade up. And then another thing is, is that you won't find good things in bad places. You know, you're going to find good things when you're surrounded by good things and you surround yourself with those. And, and, and in my, in my walk, uh, as I was young, it was, it was, you know, following Christ, being with like-minded uh, Christians and, and all that stuff, which is kind of funny because what he's actually saying more in the second verse is actually more of like what Christ would have done uh, when when he was on the earth, like what what the stories are about. He's he's going out with the prostitutes, prostitutes with the thieves, and and hanging out with them. And his second verse kind of references a little bit of that. So when he's like, "We got our sidewalks, we got our safely lit streets, we got all of our light tested beliefs." Dude. So freaking good. So that's basically, um, you know, surrounding yourself around other good people that you should. Then he says, but when I find love so bright in the alleyway, you know, you think of an alleyway, a, a small narrow space between two build, buildings that's dimly lit or dark with dumpsters, right? But when I find love so bright in the alleyway, they throw her overboard. I watch her get lost in the wake. And it's like, it, you see, you see, there's so many good things can come from so many bad places, so many unexpected places. And you miss out on that when you don't, um, and, and look, there's, I'm not advocating for people to just go down any dark alleyway looking for love. Okay. <laughs> That's not what he's saying either, but it, it is, um, uh, it, it, I think what, what it's more of referencing is when you like, when you feel like something speaking to you or something good is going on, like, uh, I, I, um, an example would be something that I brought up when we were talking with, uh, Brian Bartz. Um, and I, I don't remember, we recorded a couple, so I don't know if it's, if this episode aired yet. So, um, maybe you'll hear it after this. I don't know. But when I saw the band Bleach and they were a Christian band, we actually went out to dinner with them at Perkins afterward. And the guitarist was talking about, um, smashing pumpkins and the good things that smashing pumpkins were doing for certain things that were going on. I mean, dude, I was probably 13 or 14 years old when this was going on, so I don't exactly remember the full reference of it. But I remember feeling at that time because I was so involved in the church and I had to be a good Christian that I resented that he was talking so highly about a secular band at the time. And this song is putting into words what was going on in my life. I was rejecting the idea of finding light in an alleyway which is what he was trying to say Smashing Pumpkins was doing. And he was challenging that Smashing Pumpkins was actually doing more for people than what the church system was doing for people that he was a part of. And he, he was bringing up a concept that I was just way too young to have. I was, I was being fixed before I knew it was, you know what I'm saying? So yeah. that's, what's, that's what's special about this song for, for my walk is I, I have many memories of this is how I thought 
like when he when he flipped it. So it's it's cool to hear it now in a totally different light because he had to go through the same he he had to go through similar damage that I went through to to invoke these kind of lyrics and that's why these kinds of songs can be so special about the, the they're not they're not talking about just random crap here. This is very I, I love it. I I I know exactly I have many life stories that are very similar to what he's actually talking about. And and searching for light in an alleyway was like a far, far-fetched concept. And, you know, I, that was when I was really young, but unfortunately, I know people that are my age that still think, I mean, that this is how they think, mm-hmm. you know. It's just been there their whole life. Yeah, so this is, dude, this is a brilliant use of the objective correlative right here. <laughs> I watch her get lost in the wake. Yeah. He's not saying, uh, because I think one of the implications with that line is saying, I, I watch these people get drowned and trampled by our own neglect and missed opportunities to love, you know, is, is I think part of, part of what he's talking about. And it's a solution-based lyric, you know, it's solution-based lyrics because one principle that I find charming, like within Christian culture and other religious culture is this concept of wanting to find people that are broken and help them and be there for them, you know, but how, how that's done and how we, you know, how, how you go about doing that and for what purposes you do that for is obviously where it gets a little tricky, <laughs> you know. But the concept of trying to be mindful of, you know, who's out there that, like, who's out there getting lost in the wake, you know what I mean? And so, yeah, I just, I love that imagery. And, and at the point, too, and this is what this is what great art is supposed to do. Great art is supposed to challenge and it's supposed to push the boundaries. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> I, of course, I'm just always going to relate things to writing. If I, if I have written something, if I've written a song, let's take this song. Why should you listen to this song? What makes this so purposeful that you need to listen to it? Yeah. It's kind of an, it's kind of a presumptuous thing to be any sort of writer, to be any sort of musician and create art and say, this art, I think this art has some value. You know what I mean? Because deep down inside, I really don't think there's a single person who 100% doesn't give a shit. Yeah. I've never met someone, just like we talked about in another episode. If you are not looking for some sort of um, connection or acceptance in, in even the most fractional way, you're probably psychotic. Yeah, there's and a deep, I kind of want to meet you. Some, yeah, yeah I, there's a deep rooted something else that isn't in most it's just, people. Yeah, yeah, it's just yeah. We we there there and and even if even if it's not for other people, we want to make things that we find pleasing to ourselves. Yeah. So what is it about? And so in this song, man, by the time they like get to that part, they're bringing it yeah. because he starts saying like starts screaming like right after that line. And so I think this is what great art does because they've already created this narrative. They've created this musical composition that has got us to this point. And it's like, all right, that, this is the set piece right here. This is what they're working toward. This entire song is working toward, but when I find love so bright in the alleyway, they throw her overboard. I watch her get lost in the wake. Yeah. Dude, they send it home. And I think it's a lot of humility and... Yeah, like I said, it's it's a dangerous principle, but it's a worthy one. And I don't think we're so obsessed, at least in our culture, um, especially like Western Christian culture and, you know, the whole savior and um, 
assimilation complex. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I mean, you look at our country's history and it's in, founded on it and completely like, you know, derived of these principles of I have this thing and I can make it better. You know what I mean? And so I don't take this as a missionary complex. I don't take him saying we need to go out and save people. Yeah. I, I take it as more of a punk. Like you think you're doing such a great job. Well, <laughs> guess who's out there drowning in the wake? <laughs> you yeah, know what I yeah. mean? I see that, you know? And so I don't think, I don't think he's given an answer of how this, this tragedy is supposed to be fixed, but the tragedy is illuminated in a really punk rock way. See, and I think, I think that's okay at times because while it, yeah. while it is a good idea to have a solution, sometimes when you don't have the solution, but you know something's wrong, it's still good to just say, this is wrong. Yeah. Okay. This is wrong. Yeah. It's okay to do that. Yeah. Um, because I don't think that's a complaint. It's different if you're complaining mm -hmm. about something and don't have a solution than it is if there's a, a true victim in a situation and you need to call it out, but you don't necessarily know how to stop mm. it from happening again necessarily. That's not what I would consider a complaint. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So he's, I think it's appropriate. Um, I think it's appropriate with that. Dude, completely. I, I, I want to know, what is your favorite musical element? Okay, I thought about this a lot. Uh, it's tempting to go with the guitar, but I'm going to say drums. And then second, I'm going to say bass. Okay. But tied with second is the harmonies. Yeah. That they do. <laughs> so everything. <laughs> Also second guitar. Also, yeah. <laughs> Dude, there's just so many, like, I don't know yeah. if it's called, like, going into halftime, but there's times where they build up and then slow down on the drums. They, mm -hmm. like, drop, literally, it sounds like they're, like, dropping it down. Yeah. And it's just, oh, dude, it's the, the timing's perfect. So, uh, drums, what about you? The fuzzy, filtered, synthy octave bass stuff that goes on in there. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. they that sound is fun to chase. Like I've chased that sound as a guitarist and there are different pedals that you can find. You can you can make a guitar do those things too. I think it might be the bass that's doing it in here, but to be honest with you, when it comes in, there are times where it's just this thick, fuzzy, octave, synthy. I, I love that, dude. Um, and, and of course, how they how do they utilize that with the other elements in the panning spectrum just makes it so interesting to listen to. Mm -hmm. They really capture a really great tone within that mm -hmm. octave subby synthy sound. Um, Dude, the tones and everything in this song. Yeah. They're amazing. Mm -hmm. And uh, my favorite moment is like I've talked about is the first verse. So 33 seconds is when it hits in. Um, can I, can I get a bit into why I nerd out on the first verse? Yes. Um, it's really, I'm, try, I'm just going to try to put into words the feeling. The feeling they bring about within that first verse makes me just, like, um, <clears throat> I don't know. However you interpret the, the, the physical, like, it, you know when you really enjoy music, something, you want to do something physically, whether it's tap your foot, clap your hands, bang your head, move your body, sing along, whatever it is, people have a physical response to when good music is going on, right? It could just be simply bobbing their head, whatever mm -hmm. it is. So just know that whatever that thing is for you, for me, it is 
banging my head. It is just like I'm in the car yeah. and I am thrusting my body forward and backward and not giving a shit if somebody's looking at me. Mm-hmm. And the first verse of this song yes. just makes me do that so hard. Yes. And so it opens up. It's just the kick and the snare. And then the drummer, um, many drummers actually do this throughout entire songs where they're actually keeping the time with the hi-hat, keeping the tempo with the hi-hat, just with their foot. They're not hitting it with a stick. With their foot, they're, they're just hi-hat stepping. And so this, the first, he's just got kick and snare, and then you can hear that hi-hat stepping that's going on. And then uh, it's mostly like the, the progression of the drums with how you do it. Then, uh, then halfway into the verse, um, he adds those rim shots that you referenced. I thought it was awesome that you brought up the rim shots, man. Because then, then he comes in, and instead of you just hearing the the hi hat stepping, now he's keeping the 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 time with those rim shots, and it's perfect. the The mood of this verse, it's perfect with it. And then he actually, uh, so if you broke the verse down, I think I'm I think I'm saying this the right way. But if you were to break the verse down into four phrases which most verses, choruses have two phrases or four phrases. So you break this into four phrases. The first two are the kick and snare and then him keeping the, the, the beat with the hi-hat stepping. Then the third, fra- the third phrase of it, he has the rim shots going. And then the fourth phrase, he's on the uh, closed hi-hats. And so the drum, the drums, the way they build throughout that verse is perfect. It couldn't be better in any way. Mm. And uh, it's not that nobody else has ever done that. It's just that they nail this. Mm. They nail it. Mm. And then uh, what else is cool is that they have different elements come in that aren't really used again, but they're perfect. An organ comes in on that fourth (laughs) phrase of the verse and it like it needed to be there, but it didn't need to be there for, and it only comes in for that fourth phrase of the verse, and then when it, it drops down into like the pre-chorus thing, and then it cuts out, and it really doesn't come back. Uh, it's certainly not in the way it was utilized in the in that verse, mm-hmm. and so it's like it's just it was so cool what they added, what was taken away when it was. Um, I, I would like to mention as well, mostly for my dad because he was knocking the tambourine. Um. Uh, there's a tambourine at the beginning of this song that uh, has to be there and it's really only there then and I just want my dad to know like that ain't no you know whatever old lady old dude with the tambourine it is where it should be on a metal as F song <laughs> and on top of that I hope it is an old lady or an old dude that is playing the tambourine. Yes, just for at, my dad. At that. Suck it, Darren. Um, <laughs> all right. So I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, you're always. I love that one of my really good friends just told my dad to <laughs> suck it. <laughs> so, Darren, if you're listening, what I, what I really meant to say is suck it. I, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right, so here's the deal, Brandon. You're always saying very kind things about me on on how well I can articulate myself. So I'm going to continue this tradition, perfect, by telling you the notes that I have for best moment, best musical moment. This is what I came up with. The drums do this thing at two minutes and thirty two seconds where it slows down. 
I don't know. They break it down. <laughs> so that's my favorite uh, moment. Okay, I will go back and listen to what they're doing at 2 minutes and 32 seconds so I can explain. I don't know off the top of my head what they're doing right at that time. Well, I can tell you the drums are doing a thing. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh, man. So let's. Oh, that's um, perfect. All right. How are we gonna? I just want to confess my undying love of the tambourine. Okay. Can Dude. I make sure I drive that point home? There will be more episodes that I continue to fanboy mm-hmm. on how much everyone doesn't realize how great the tambourine is and how many songs it's in, and people just don't notice it. And I think. I'm I'm hoping that we can have more guests on that that don't listen to the episodes, and I want to see them diss the tambourine, and then all next <laughs> turn to Brandon, <laughs> and he's like, "What did you just say?" Um, okay, so, uh, so now that we, yeah. let's bring it home, man. What is the life application on eighty-four sheepdog, Michael? Dude, okay, mine is sincere. Let's see if we can get there. I put. The the power of being open minded and having accountability, um, and I think one of my writing mentors said to me that he's never trusted writers who don't wrestle with a good deal of self doubt, and he said it in a way that's not like it just made sense. And I think as individuals, I think it's important for us to be skeptical of ourselves. We should always be. We should always be our first critic in ways that's healthy. You know what I mean? Like, I, I am overly self-critical to a point where it is destructive and it's unhealthy and that's, you know, something about my personality I need to work on. But when it comes to the things that we say, the, the, the things that we believe, how we treat other people, um, if, if we're not open to feedback, if we're not open to the, the, the concept that how I feel or what I'm doing perhaps is wrong or perhaps is not the most effective, then I just don't think we're in a great place. Um, and so as like, as punk rock, you know, and as kind of like juvenile as this topic, like they fixed your brain. Like I, as we talked about, like I really, I really buy that. Like our brains are very, very fixed, right? They, and that's the thing they're not using. Uh, we're not using sophisticated language. And sometimes I think when people do not use sophisticated language, it gets this kind of bad rap. Like, if you talk to any top psychologist, they'll tell you, oh, yeah, <laughs> your brain has been prepackaged in many ways for a long time. And so I, I just, you know, I just think my life application is like, you know, um, confirmation bias, you know, be aware of, be aware of your own um, closed-mindedness as much as you can. And, and work from there. And um, yeah. That's beautiful, man. What about you? Well, <clears throat> I, I think that, I think there's a bit of, a, of the sheep and the wolf in all of us, you know? And <clears throat> because it is more palatable, wearing the sheep, the sheep's clothing. It is probably a good idea because for a lot of people to be to be palatable to people going around it, it it's just that is going to be what rubs people the right way. And so, I think accepting that there can be a bit of of the sheep and the wolf within you, and trying to find that balance. Again, I go back to balance because I think again, it's it's just kind of. Um, uh, 
what I'm striving for in life is just to find that kind of balance. And it's not slaying the wolf within you or being ashamed of, of you know, or, or like not wanting to be a goody-goody kind of sheep thing. It's, 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 not, it's not trying to discover something different within them. It's finding that balance between realizing that, you know, we're capable of great amounts of evil and great amounts of good and finding a balance uh, uh, within it. So, you know, don't, don't feel like you have to keep that facade. You know, be, be genuine and, and ask, ask questions when, when questions should be asked. You know, when you see a spark or when you hear a thing or you have this doubt come up, ask questions and find people that you can rely on and trust. And that can be hard to navigate those waters, though. It's way easier said than done to say rely on somebody that you trust because I would say, I probably, you know, I, I probably trusted a lot of people that were ultimately in the end not really uh, promoting me to be genuine. Uh, and and uh, and I realize that now, and I don't think it was incredibly ill intent within them either. I think a bit of that trick was on them, you know. And so, um, but it, that just goes back to our whole theme of grace. That's why you got to extend grace to those people too, because intention matters. And so I think a lot of those common themes that we kind of keep bringing up and that I'm interested in continuing to bring up, because again, it's something that I want to be more gracious. I want to have, you know, I, I, I do want to be more gracious to others and I want to be as genuine as I can be. And part of being genuine is not trying to slay that wolf um, or be ashamed of the sheep's clothing. It's finding the balance within and, and, and more of taming the beast, you know. And so um, having people like you too, having people like you in my life that I can be as genuine as I could possibly be with is uh, a massive advantage. And I think there are some people that maybe have family situations, you know, whether it's a parental thing or, or siblings that, it can be um, near impossible to be genuine, and um, and that's tragic. That's tragic for that person. And um, I would hope that there's a way that if you are surrounded by people you cannot be genuine with, um, you know, try to find a path. Try to find an avenue. To, to, to get to that, to get into that situation. And if you do have people you can be genuine with, dear God, surround yourself with those people as often as you can. And so I'm super grateful that we get to, to surround ourselves with each other in order to, to kind of have this. So um, anyway, man, uh, yeah, be, be genuine.